I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Joe Destazio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. This is the eighth episode in our Mass Effect Andromeda series. Okay, so brief recap. We have the coordinates to Meridian, which we know is the central hub that connects all the remnant vaults together. And we think that by finding and activating Meridian, that's going to solve all of our problems with our golden worlds. Director Tan, however, and the folks at the Nexus, uh, they're not convinced that this is the right thing to do. No, they think we have more important things to be doing. But but our rider, along with the other Pathfinders who show up at this meeting, all agree that our job as Pathfinders is to be making these golden worlds golden again. Making worlds golden again. That, that's the strategy here. <laughs> And the Meridian is, as as a recap, is supposed to do that. It's, we think, going to act, it's going to activate all of the vaults on all of the planets and make all of the planets great. That's what we suspect, but we don't, we don't really know. We don't really have evidence at this point. So the rest of them, they're not willing to go along with it right now. I think Director Tan says something like, this is not the Pathfinder initiative. It's just the initiative, but... I don't think any of us want to just hang out on the Nexus, right? We're here to to colonize planets and to make those planets better. So that's the point. And that's why all of the Pathfinders, ourselves included, decide, well, we're just going to disobey these guys and go go ahead and do this. So we leave and we do end up going to uh, Meridian's coordinates. But so we find this remnant space station at the coordinates that we got. We land. We fight through tons of cat remnant forces to find a central command hub. Along the way, we learned that the Angara were actually designed and created by the remnant Jardan. This Jardan comes up and I'm confused as to, are the, is this another word for remnant or are these two different things? Yeah, it, it kind of just seems to be tossed out by by everybody that we start talking with as if We've known that Jardan is the name of the remnant species. The Angara were designed, but we don't know why. We don't. It's some unknown purpose. Mm -hmm. We also discover that the Meridian engine is some sort of piece to the space station is has been removed. It's missing and that we can't we can't activate this vault network like we had hoped. Right. It looks like the the space station that we're on was attacked. And when the Jardan had to flee, they made sure to take the Meridian engine with them. So that's the that's basically what happens during this mission. So, like, what are your overall thoughts on on what happened? There's a lot going on here. Obviously, disobeying all of the political leaders back at the Nexus is interesting. But it, you know, if, if you didn't do that, what would be the fun in this game? So, <laughs> yeah, but they had. Do I mean the reasons though? They had possibly decent reasons first off we don't have any proof that meridian is going to do anything for us second as kandros mentions we're not equipped to wage war with the cat so this is going to be like a direct attack we know that the cat are, are, are taking over this base are inhabiting it or what have you mm -hmm. this is going to be starting a war if we haven't already we already have though and that's the thing we're already at war with the cat we're, we're trying to make it a, a lower scale war, I guess, but they're just going to keep coming until we're all dead. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely one of our reasons for doing this now. Addison says that we should focus on outposts and, and we should like be more decentralized, right? So if we focus on building up more outposts, if the cat do attack, we won't be destroyed altogether. We'll right. be in different places. We won't have all of our eggs in one basket, I suppose. The fact that we don't have an army to fight a big war makes sense. Like we're going to go and attack a base, sort of attack a base that we expect to be totally overrun with cat. And it turns out of course that they are, but before we can head out on this mission, you find out that your sibling is awake and wants to talk to you right away. No, like legit awake, not like somewhat conscious and able to telepathically communicate, but like <laughs> awake, like up and, sitting up. And yeah. Down. Moving. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm, very curious how this conversation went for you, <laughs> because when we met our our siblings, we told them different things. Yeah. And you were, if I remember correctly, 
you were super honest about dad being dead. Yes. And I wasn't. I decided I'm going to wait until you're actually like conscious, not um, not just talking to me through Sam uh-huh. to to break the news that our dad is dead. Okay. So how did it so what happened for you then? Uh, I assume it was like a like a heart-wrenching were there mm, tears? There might have been tears. Yeah. He was really really mad at me. Oh really? Oh yeah, he was he was super mad at me for lying to him about about our dad being dead. This is what I'm talking about. I hate that <laughs> feeling of someone being upset with me for lying. I hate that. Yeah. So uh, basically I I had options to just try to to comfort him and to explain to him why I did what I did and it wasn't it wasn't the experience that I was hoping for. Like this is kind of a big moment I I would say in the story, in in the story of these siblings. And it, it was super short. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I really only had a couple of things to say and, and then the encounter was over. When you initially walked up to, in this case, Scott, were you prompted? Did you have the option to give him a hug? I was. This is one of those moments where you're prompted to, pr- to press the right trigger right. to give him a hug. And I did it. Good. But he didn't really let me. Oh. He kind of kind of pushed it off. Oh. That, like, that's how mad he is at me for lying so about So he knows that. at this point. Like, you didn't actually break the news to him. No, I didn't get to break. The, and that's the thing did. that had yeah. me upset yeah. was I didn't tell him with the hopes that I would be the one who got to tell him in the mm-hmm. future. And some other jerk on this space station decided to tell him for me what what jerks mm-hmm. i'm the freaking pathfinder i get to tell my brother that his dad is dead yeah so i totally so again we're playing as different characters so right um, you are playing as scott i'm, I'm scott. playing as sarah right so sarah is the one who has woken up for me and she seems super happy to see me she gives me a hug well after i initiate the hug and so the big difference here is that she says to me, I'm glad you told me about dad. <laughs> it gave it, it gave it time to sink in. So she was able to, you know, I guess huh. she's still conscious, even though she's like in a coma kind of, I don't know. Interesting. She was still able to think about it. So I felt pretty good about that decision. I, I guess, point. I guess, uh, I guess you made the right decision here. So for me, and, and I started to talk about this, just a minute ago, but this whole thing felt super anticlimactic. Like this should have been a bigger deal. At least it felt like based on the decisions that I had made Mm -hmm. that this should have been a bigger, more important encounter. And it just wasn't. So like, did you just leave after that? Because Sarah tries to like get up and walk and she's totally not capable of walking at this point. And so they make her sit back down and she actually lays, she actually lays down and then you have the opportunity to continue talking with her and just, you know, just chatting, having, just talking about your parents, talking about what's going on, discussing the cat and all the things that they're doing. Did you, did you not do any of that then? No, there was no sitting around and and chit chatting about the cat. (laughs) Okay. So I did have that opportunity, but it was a little unnerving because what had happened is that they said, listen, if you want to keep talking, that's fine, but she's got to rest. They lay her down on her back like she has been mm-hmm. throughout the, the entire time that she's been asleep. And there is no animation on her body whatsoever. Her body <laughs> is frozen in time. There's no breathing. Her, you know, her hands are crossed over her chest. They're not moving up or down. And her head is tilted looking up toward me. And her eyes occasionally move. And her mouth moves. And that's it. <laughs> the head doesn't look around. This looks like a really bad Halloween prop. Mm. It was creepy. That's, so That's unfortunate. Feel feel fortunate that you didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, I guess. So it looks like she's not going to be joining our party anytime soon. No. Our crew. No, or, I guess not. In your case, him. He. So well, I was hoping at the beginning of this whole game that there would be an opportunity for them to join you and you could go out together and, and do things. But given that we're really close to the end of the game, it looks like we're just not going to have that. No, not not unless they're going to join us for the final mission. Mm. So after that, we meet up with the other Pathfinders, and we all agree to go to Meridian anyway. I think it totally makes sense that, that we decide to disobey them and go on, because we're friggin' rock stars, right? Like sure. everything that we've done, we've totally kicked the cat's butt every time that we've had an engagement with them. So... Let's try it, because if this can turn all of the worlds golden, and if whatever it is that 
that Meridian turns out to be works in our favor, then uh, yeah, that'd be maybe, worth it, right? well, it, yeah, I mean, it might be worth it, but it also might change what, what the cat are trying to accomplish in the Helios cluster. Okay. Right. Like maybe, sure. maybe we all become best buds afterwards. Like that's probably <laughs> well, not going to happen. Well, yeah, because they've been trying to do this too, but I mean, they've been, you know, ab- absorbing people. I, I don't think that <laughs> I'm not sure if we're ever going to be able to get along with someone like that. Probably not. So we know that the cat are stationed at this place or whatever. And so what do you think about this whole ghost tech, ghost storm technology that they mention? So like before we leave the Nexus and head to these coordinates, we load up this ghost storm technology that the Pathfinders have put together in, in coordination with someone on the Nexus. What did you think about this? Well, it seemed a little flimsy. How so? Well, so this this new tech is supposed to broadcast multiple Tempest signals out so that the Ket, they'll still know that we're there, but all of their radar and, and that type of equipment will detect multiple ships. And so they won't know which one to go after. Like that's, that's kind of really, really risky, right? Because what if they figure it out? Because they have eyeballs and can see. Well, that was my thing. So, like, we go there and and we're appearing right next to a cat ship. Right. <laughs> and there's no other ships around. But all of a sudden now, the ship kind of shimmers. And I wasn't sure if this was, like, this ghost storm tech activating. Mm. Or if we were kind of, like, cloaked in some way so that they visibly, like, we were invisible to the naked eye. Because I'm thinking, do these guys not have windows on their ship like we're right there <laughs> right they're gonna be they're gonna be confused by some signals coming from some random place yeah i, I don't know it's it's fine i i think it's just another one of those fairly thin plot structures in this game that are just there to try to move the plot along because they couldn't come up with something a little bit more substantial to explain how the heck we would be able to infiltrate this without just getting murdered on our way to the to the station this is this was kind of a cool location. Uh, it was essentially broken up into two towers where you had to go in and, mm-hmm. and activate some remnant stuff. And of course, things happen when you turn on the remnant technology. And then you go to the other side and you do the same thing. And then you get to the middle part. Anything worth talking about really with the two towers that you go climb around in well, and do things for in? the towers, I know they mentioned at some point they were afraid that it may turn on a purification field. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh boy, I hope that doesn't happen. We don't, right. have, we don't have a good way of getting off of this. Nope. In terms of story, I would say it was one of the towers, the uh, research tower, mm-hmm. where we that's where we find, I don't know if it's holograms or just information about the Angara. And Sam, of course, helps translate. But yeah, it turns out that either the remnant or whoever is done all this stuff have designed and created the entire Angara life form, uh, you know, the entire species. Well, so that that's the big part of this whole Priority Ops mission. Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit more about the rest of of the mission, because after the towers, we then have to fight our way to this middle section and if i remember correctly you had some struggles here are you insulting my gaming (laughs) no i i just i just like to point out uh the the rare occasions where video games tend to be harder for you than they are for me because it never ever happens so joe how many times would you say you died in this part of the of the game oh i don't know at least half a dozen or more wow probably between uh, upwards to 10 i think i just kept trying so in the middle after you do the two towers and you get to the middle section after you're after you leave the second tower and start approaching the middle section there's just this huge troop of cat they're just like like they're like storming off into battle away from you now nah. mm-hmm. right because you've and unlocked somehow it. they're still killing you even well, though they're battling away from you <laughs> just, just running and gunning and just shooting off to the side but at this point i'm thinking are we doing are they going to do one of those things where we're doing all the work and then Mr. Archon's going to just swoop in and take everything from us? That oh, was that's my, totally what it felt like. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought was happening is because they are, they don't, at this point, they really don't care about you anymore. They're just going straight for that center. There's dozens of cat. They've got one of those giant fiend, big mm-hmm. hulking gorilla looking right. monsters. And so that means that when you catch up to them, you've got all them to fight, but they're also fighting the remnant 
forces that are defending the area. Right. So I want to take this moment to give you a little bit of advice. <laughs> I was recently listening to our fifth episode in, in our Mass Effect series, and that's the one where we had to climb the big tall tower on Havarl and talk to the crazy people up there. And in that mission, you have to go, you know, throughout the jungles and all of that of Havarl. And you mentioned that you died a bunch. And I said, well, why did you die so much? And you said, well, there's remnant all over the place and there's big giant things all over the place. And I said, yeah, I let them wear each other down a bunch before I killed them. And and you didn't do that. And um, that's exactly what I did here on this Meridian mission. You've got all of these cat walking away from you towards a bunch of remnant. Let them fight each other for a little bit and well, pick off a few of the stragglers I from I the tried, side. I tried that. Okay. I noticed it that they were doing that. I noticed because there's a destroyer. There's one of those big hulking remnant things with two mm -hmm. like machine gun turrets on its shoulders. And the very first thing that that fiend does, it just goes straight up there and those guys just start fighting. And I'm thinking this is, this is great. I'll just take care of this later. But the problem was that when it came up to the section, I was really low on ammo. And so there's I an ammo resupply right around the corner. Well, I didn't know about right around the corner, <laughs> but I did see it right in front of me. And so I'm walking, I'm running toward this fight simply because I need ammunition. Mm. And what I later realized after multiple playthroughs of this section here, that when you get too close to those guys, the fiend and the destroyer, the fiend gives up or is distracted by you and comes after you. So at that point, I've got a fiend who has at least half health, a destroyer who probably hasn't been damaged at all both coming at me at the same time. And that was the, that was the cause of most of my problems mm. through this thing. So yes, <laughs> my recommendation would be yes, just hold back and at least wait for the fiend to die. And then you can just take on the, the destroyer. And you could also use a long range, like a sniper rifle or something right. to pick off the, the other chosen, uh, a cat. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's what I did. <laughs> I had a sniper rifle. I picked off all the, all the chosen, like, you know, ground troop guys. And then because that destroyer has two giant turrets on its shoulders, I thought, mm, this is taking forever for this guy to kill the fiend. And I can pick both of them off with my sniper rifle to some extent. So yeah. I took out one of the turrets on the destroyer and then started focusing shots on hmm. the fiend to help the turret kill the fiend. And then once he was dead, the destroyer was still really far away and I was able to, to take out the other turret on its shoulder from a distance. And then once both of the turrets are gone, the destroyers are nothing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So when this happens again in this game, cause it's <laughs> bound to happen again in the game, let them fight each other for you a little bit, dude. Stop rushing forward. Yeah. Yeah. I tried so many things they, they had the, uh, those little, I don't know, canisters or something that you would shoot and they would, they would explode into like yeah. some acid or something. And that was helping. It's at one point I had the, so this it's like a it's like a room uh connected at the end of a long catwalk kind of thing yeah and so a fiend had followed me i i was trying to run away from this guy and he followed me down there and i jumped over him and i turned around and he was gone and i thought that maybe the game had glitched and i'm like yes this is going to be the time i died anyway but what i realized is that the catwalk there has a little there's a wall missing. And so you can actually lure him over there and he just runs off. Really? <laughs> he just runs off the ledge. So that's that, awesome. So that's cool. I, I don't think I did that when I finally beat that section, but that is an option too. So back, back to these designed Angara. We know that they're designed because we're seeing biological blueprints. I think is what they call them. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Genetic blueprints. And that we're seeing different versions. We don't actually see them, but Sam talks about there being different versions of the Angara species, each one more refined than the last. So there seems to be, I mean, that's, there's no mystery about it. This is for sure. The game is saying the Angara are designed and created. They did not evolve naturally in this galaxy. Right. They, they weren't made by some higher power or something like that. They were made by these these remnant or or Jardin, and that's that's a really interesting twist. I mean, we in the Mass Effect universe, we've had a lot of 
genetic experimentation mm-hmm. and that type of, of thing to, to deal with. You know, in the first three games, we had the genophage that the Salarians inflicted mm-hmm. on the Krogan. And now we've got a whole species that was designed in a lab, basically, potentially by whatever this Meridian technology is. I want to jump ahead a little bit to the conversation that we have with Jal about this. Afterwards, after the mission. Okay. After we complete the mission, of course, he's the the first one I want to talk to. Like, holy cow, this guy has been through a lot in, in the course of these missions. It wasn't that long ago that we find out that most of the cat we've been fighting are Angarans yep. because the the cat have the ability to suck up the genetic whatever of of <laughs> Ex- other species. exaltation Exalt- well yes and and turn them into cat <laughs> yeah. and and he finds out that he's been killing all of these cat that are actually just Angaran and now the well, dude finds out that that his whole species was made by wh- whoever these remnant people were. That's a like I can't even imagine all of the things that are going on in this guy's head and 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 his heart. And so one of the things that he says is it doesn't matter if we were created by a god, reborn from our ancestors, or exist as the dream of an AI superpower. This discovery changes nothing except ourselves. And he said that and I thought this sounds like it's supposed to be super deep. I don't get it. Yeah. What, how, like, how do you interpret that? What, like, what does that mean? I'm not even really sure how to interpret it. This sounds like something that a, a drunken college <laughs> student would say during one of the, the great philosophical conversations that everybody has in college, right? Thinking, oh, this is going to be super deep. And and I, I don't think that it is. It changes nothing except ourselves. Like, that's the last thing that it changes. That, that, like, that's the only thing that doesn't change. Jaw is still... The person, if you want to use the word person, he's still the same being that he was before he finds this out. He still has the same things that he loves and he hates, the same things that that he's passionate about. None of that has changed. Well, I mean, it, it could change your perception, right, of yourself. But it's even stranger that he says that this changes nothing because just a little bit before then, he talks about how this this could give their people an actual purpose and that he's excited about that. That seems like that is change. He's excited for change, but then immediately says that it changes nothing. Yeah. It's like, this is such a cool moment in the story. Maybe one of the coolest and most interesting moments in the story. And I feel like most of the dialogue here for Joel, the most important character in this plot line doesn't have anything that that's all that great to say. Like none of this writing feels coherent or consistent. What, what what would you think if you learned that the human race that you know on this planet was designed and created by an alien species that you've never met? I'm not sure, but I don't think I would say, "Oh, this changes so much for us. This gives us a purpose." And then five seconds later, say, "This changes nothing except ourselves." <laughs> I definitely wouldn't say that. Do you think that this is like? Do you think that there's any sort of like maybe dialogue branching that's happening here and that maybe it's inconsistent because he's saying different things depending on our, on our actions. Or do you think that this, does it feel like, no, because he he said all the same things to me. Yeah. Okay. And, and you and I have taken some fairly different routes through all of this. Well, especially with regards to Jaw. Right. I mean, he's your romantic interest. Exactly. So he, he didn't say anything. He didn't give you any special dialogue for that in terms of being, you know, a little bit closer than he and I are. Uh, I did get a romance option in this because you you ask him, you're essentially going down the path of trying to find out if he's just totally devastated by this. And, and you ask if he's broken. And he says, no, uh, I'm excited, not broken by this discovery. He's excited about this thing that changes everything and nothing <laughs> all at the same time. And then I have the option to just say, I adore you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That makes it sound like you're not even paying attention. Uh, it kind of does. Yeah. But he, he enjoyed it. it. Oh, so you did choose that option. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm choosing all of the romance <laughs> options for Joel. So aside from how Joel himself views it, I mean, how, how does that change our perception as humanity coming into 
the Andromeda galaxy and specifically the Helios cluster. We've, we've gone to these planets and we've seen all this crazy advanced technology that we've been calling remnant tech. Mm -hmm. And uh, over all these different worlds, all these worlds have these terraforming, these vaults, these systems for, for making these planets inhabited, habitable. And we now learn that they were creating a species and it seems like that they were like this. It seems like this whole cluster in this galaxy has been tailor-made, designed specifically for the Angara. But but why? For what purpose? How far-reaching does this go? Does it, is this? Are there more galaxies out there? Is that where they are right now? Are these remnant guys still alive? Are they going to come back? Are they going to check in on these guys? Like what? Are, what are they? Like what's the? Do you think we're going to find out any any answers to these questions? Boy, I sure hope we do. I really do because it does sound like the the Jardan are still around just not here the the theory that we are left to work with is that someone attacked them potentially because of all of this technology that that they were using to terraform and maybe more specifically to create life with and that maybe the scourge was a weapon used against the jardon so they took off and maybe took this meridian thing with them so they they could be somewhere in an entirely another galaxy, or at least in another cluster that that's maybe not a six hundred year flight away, <laughs> but we don't know yet. I'm not sure if we're going to get an answer. We've only got one priority hops mission left. I, I'm not really sure. But we know it's not the cat that were originally fighting these guys, right? Right. It seems to be Jardan or Remnant set all this stuff up. Maybe there. Maybe this is an experimentation whatever but there's they're under attack that's probably where the scourge comes in meaning the scourge is all pre-ket they leave angara and the angara go on for thousands of years i think and during that time period then the ket come invade the area and start this whole war with them right and and so we're just left with these ancient this ancient tech all over the place and everybody's just just trying to figure out what's going on is that i mean is that sound right does that sound like the right yeah sequence of events yeah that that sounds exactly like what what i think is going on here you know i i think from a game perspective one of the things that frustrates me about this discovery is we thought that this cluster had like three i don't know the correct word to use here but three original species and now we find out there's really only two <laughs> like I, I don't want to write off the angaran and and say like they don't matter because I definitely don't think that. Well, they but certainly count. Th they count, but how different are they from the, the Jardin? Oh, that's a good question. Are they are they created in their image? You know, right. Do they look nearly identical or are they just completely different? Right. Are they just a better version of, like, are the Angara just a better version of the Jardin? Yeah, that's a good Don't question. know. And if so, then we're really only down to two other <laughs> species, you know? The, the Jardin slash... Jardon 2.0, a.k.a. the Angarans, and the Ket. Yeah, maybe they're just creating a new, uh, a better version of themselves and and putting them in this uh, galaxy to test them and see how they do. Right. What if... Uh-oh. What if what? What if... Here's, here's a crazy thought that just occurred to me. What if the, the Jardon had... Oh, God, I really hope this isn't the case. <laughs> had something like the Genophage that yeah. was wiping them out. And that's oh. why they created a new species, but that was similar to them, but wouldn't be impacted by the genophage. And they're nowhere to be found because they're all dead. Yeah. And all we actually ha do have left is the Angaran and, and the cat. I think it's strange that we, we come across all these, this remnant technology, these structures, these monoliths. We've seen a space station. We've seen a, a big spaceship thing. We don't have any records about what they looked like, about what the actual species looked like. Yeah, I, I would think that if some alien species showed up on Earth in in a few hundred years or whatever, and we were all dead, we've still got all of this technology now. We've got a you know a few billion people taking selfies on smartphones every single day. They would probably find something that would show what we looked like. Yeah, maybe they don't. Maybe they never invented a camera. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. Maybe they don't have <laughs> eyes and they just don't have the, the, <laughs> the sense of sight. That's not the case. Okay. Anything else with this amazing discovery about uh, our new friends in the 
in the Helios cluster. Yeah. So I, I, I said Jal was the first person I wanted to talk to. Suvi was the second person I wanted to talk to. So and I didn't talk to Suvi because after the mission, it looked like she was going to, to initiate the next mission. And so I held off with talking to her because I didn't want to do that until I was ready for the last mission. And she does. But I think it's one of those situations where it's go and talk to her and get all of the her follow up to the last mission. Stop talking. Go back. Talk to her again. <laughs> and now she's got this idea for the next thing. So okay, I'm interested in what she has to say then. Yeah. So she says, what if our creator is just like the Jardin? Advanced, but mortal and fallible. Yeah. And that's maybe they are the Jardin. Maybe. Maybe, maybe the, the Jardin, Jardin are showed the creators up in, of every of, of all these alien species. Maybe. Including us horrible aliens. Maybe including maybe including the Reapers. Maybe. Maybe. But she does come around to say that even if all of that's true, God could still exist. And she says that it hasn't changed her her faith, that that she still has faith because that's that's kind of the definition of faith <laughs> is Believing in things that you you can't know for certain. Right. So she still has her faith. She says, creation of life is indifferent. The intent is what matters. That if you give your creation free will, then that's a good thing. If you create a species to make them slaves, that's bad. <laughs> very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's actually Suvi that says that she thinks the Scourge was a weapon created against the Jardin because they were creating life. It, it was her that came up with that theory. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that was all way more sensical than what Jaw had to <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, that way, absolutely. <laughs> a, a few other of our crewmates had things to say. None of it was was as, as interesting or as insightful as what Suvi had to say or as completely confusing as what Jaw had to say. So why don't we stick with Jaw and move on to Jaw's side missions that we also played through? So Jal's Jal's missions here revolve around this character called Aksul, and he is the leader of the Rokar. Now recall that this is a group of Angara who just hate all alien invaders in this galaxy, including us, including the Ket. They want us all gone. Mm -hmm. They don't represent all the Angara, but no, this is like a splinter group. But they keep growing. Yeah. So Jal is concerned about this. So he wants to he wants to find Aksul. Talk with him, I assume, and try to come to an agreement or just try to convince him that what he's doing is crazy and is dangerous. Yeah. So this this whole mission, this friend or foe mission, which we both think is a, is a terrible name because we already know at this point that Axul is a foe. It's, it's not really that interesting of a side mission. It's kind of lengthy, but there's not a lot to it. So we're just going to fly through this one. Basically, uh, Axul is planning to attack Padramos, the first outpost, the first outpost on Eos on Eos. So we need to stop him from doing that. So we show up on Padramos or on Eos, expand our, our area of, of where we can explore way out West, find lots of things, find some cool people, and then decide let's trick him into attacking one of the empty outposts. We do that. With a, a beacon thing? With, with a beacon thing, right. Cool. So we have him, we send him to, to outpost two or to station two. The fight continues there. It moves on to station one. We fight him there. And that's basically it, right? Slot, yeah, it's mostly just lots of shooting. Yeah. So uh, we finish that up. And then the, the only thing that I think is even worth mentioning is, of course, this is related to Jal. So... Got to go and talk to Jal afterwards and maybe, maybe, maybe get some romance options. Mm -hmm. And indeed we do. And, uh, you know, after we have, after we complete this mission, we go back to the Tempest and we Skype with Axul, which I still think is weird. <laughs> and Axul continues to be a jerk to us about it, even though we just kicked his butt. Well, mostly to Jal. He's really angry with Jal. Oh, yeah. Particular. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a good point. He's really mad at Jal and, and thinks Jal's a traitor. For working with us. So after the awkward Skype conversation, I had the option to do a, a romance thing with, with Jal. And basically what I tell Jal is Aksul's mad at you, but it's really just that he's jealous. He's jealous because you're the better guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is a ridiculous thing to say. That's not why he's jealous. He's jealous because he hates aliens. Like, he's not jealous at all. He's mad because he hates aliens and that Jaw is helping aliens. Yeah. Uh, did did Jaw mention to you that this is sort of like a, an old childhood rivalry or that uh, he's always said things like this to him? It's not really that big of a deal. If he did, I don't remember it. Okay. I was just in pursuit of those romance oh, options. Oh, yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> Single-minded. So, like so many other missions in this game, we have to wait around for something else to happen before the next one opens. And the next mission is called Flesh and Blood. And this is actually Jaws' loyalty mission. Right. So, you know, the big thing that we're going to do here to earn Jaws' loyalty is help rescue his family. So... Uh, it starts off with... Well, it's not his whole family. It's no. only like... Yeah, it's just it's a part. He's got such a huge family. It's only three of his like 47 siblings. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not like his whole entire family has been kidnapped in a skyscraper or something because that's how much room you would need to hold his family. Three of his brothers and sisters have been recruited by the Rokar and his mothers, I forget how many he has, how many mothers he has, but there are multiple, and they ask uh, him to bring them home. And they appear to be stationed on Havaral. Now, there is this place on Havaral. Recall that when we've been to Havaral before, that the Angara say that they believe this is their like home planet, their birth planet. Mm-hmm. So there's this place called the Forge, which seems to be some sort of important, I don't want to say temple, but... But we're told that it's a place that like every Angaran goes to at least once in their they life. They call that it it's super the, important. They believe it's the birthplace of their civilization, this yeah. particular spot. So it's important to the to the culture. So we go there. Now what's interesting is that we take a shuttle there from the main Havaro location that we normally roam around and do mm. everything on. We take a shuttle to this other location far away so that they're not actually directly connected. Right. You can't drive. Yeah, you can't just stumble upon this. This is place. like airplane only. Right. <laughs> I don't know if we can get back to it. I don't know if there's don't any know. missable stuff. But So we're off in some other section of, of Havaral. But we do end up finding, you know, there's there's some empty villages. There's some shooting. But we find Jal's three siblings. And eventually they, they come to realize that they don't really belong with the Rokar. Well, at least one of them does. Lathul, one of your brothers, is like, He's really Jal, I'm so sorry. This is This was a terrible mistake. It's good that you're here because oh yeah 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 because Axul has stolen a bunch of, of of bombs and plans to blow this place up and make it look like you guys did it because he stole our bombs right, right? isn't that just random bomb he took our bombs and is going to blow up the forge the super important place and obviously blame us because it's our bombs right and his sister his sister still thinks. Uh, that she's doing the right thing by she's hanging totally out with Axul. With this thing. So she shoots him in the back. Ooh. Yeah. It, it looks bad. It looks like he's left for dead. Well, you, you get a little bit of a decision here, like how what you want to say to him. Yeah. So you have the option of saying, Lethul, will you be will you be all right? Or uh, you can say, I can't let these bombs go off. And I, I chose the more reasonable rational one of Which one's that uh i can't let these bombs go off <laughs> like i'm really sorry that you're dead probably maybe you should have made better life choices now i need to get to work Jeez. to um to defusing these bombs uh, we swapped places because that sounds like something i would <laughs> say but i said dude you all right man and he's like yes yeah, i'm fine just go go take care of it oh i'll be fine yeah i mean he kind of says like you know go on but okay anyway so so we do go on and we find all of the bombs and, of course, another million Rokar dudes. We got three minutes. There's a timer, actually, mm-hmm. on this one to disable four of the bombs. Did you die? Uh, I think I did once on accident. On accident, okay? It was an accident. Mm-hmm. How much time did you have left when you did Well, them? when I did it, I had about, well, it was less than a minute. Yeah, I think I had 14 seconds. Oh, uh, It got real close. I don't think it was that close, but yeah, it was It was probably 30 seconds. It was super close for yeah. me. Yeah. I didn't realize at first that there was actually a time limit. Like a lot of times in these types of situations in games, they're like, oh, no, it's we have to hurry, hurry, hurry. And you don't really. Right. This time you do. No, it has a time. It's got a timer. (laughs) (laughs) Although I didn't actually let the timer elapse to see what happens. Like, is there a big explosion? Something cool looking? I don't know. I didn't let it happen. Yeah, me neither. 
I was motivated to stop those bombs. So you defuse the bombs and you wipe out all of the Rokar who are guarding the bombs. And then we go to another cutscene where Aksul shows up along with a whole bunch of his his Rokar buddies. So Jal confronts Aksul and and is trying to persuade him and all of his Rokar buddies who are there that they need to give up on their cause. And we all need to be united in saving this whole cluster from the cat because a few Rokar and a few humans aren't going to be able to do it all by themselves. It's pretty cool because it's like these two leaders, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're very eloquent, right? It's not like Axul is some moron spouting nonsense. You know, part of what you right. know, what he's saying, you know, I can understand people accepting it and, and, and going along with him. But it was just neat to have this wasn't a fight necessarily. I mean, this is like cutscene at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's each person kind of taking turns and okay, it's it's a heated argument, but mm-hmm. um yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a debate. Right. So Aksul is is ready for a fight and and Ryder gets pretty upset about it, pulls out a gun, and Aksul's like, go ahead, make me a martyr. See what that does for your cause. <laughs> and Joel's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on now. Just, you know, don't do this. And I remember my, my writer saying, I don't, you know what? Fine. I don't shoot unarmed, crazy people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was, I, I chose the same exact dialogue option. But just a few moments later, though, all of a sudden the dude does have a gun. Like he pull, pulls out a gun and points it at Jaw. So now we've got, we've got, jaw being like please dudes peace peace and axul's got a gun on him we've got a gun on axul and then you get a very very short prompt of pull the right trigger to kill axul who's pointing a gun at jaw what did you do (laughs) listen i knew in the back of my head that this was that this was going to be a possibility Uh that this was going to be a decision to make as soon as i heard Axul used the word martyr. I thought they're going to give me the option to kill this guy. I should think about this before it happens so that I know how to respond. I couldn't, I must have not come up with a good reason before then. I hadn't thought it through because as soon as that thing came up, I instinctively pushed it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you should probably think about these philosophical things. Like if you're ever in a, like think of different situations you could be in and what would be the right thing to do? And you got to think about those things before they happen. Because if you wait until that moment, you're probably going to do the thing that benefits you the most. And it may not necessarily... In the moment. In the moment. Just in that moment. And it and it may not be the right thing to do. Right. And uh, I thought that I had given, given it some thought. But I, I guess 10 seconds just wasn't enough. Wasn't enough for me. And I immediately pushed it. And immediately regretted it. Because I, I knew that I should have <laughs> I should have given him more time, but it that prompt came up and it's like, oh, it you know, if you're used to playing quick time events, you know, games with quick time events, you see something pop pop up, you just gotta push you just gotta push the button. Right? I pan I'm sorry, I panicked. <laughs> We've been trained as gamers to respond to those on screen prompts. And you did. And you killed Axul. You didn't trust Jaw that Jaw would be able I, to, I panicked, okay? to resolve the situation. What did you do? I didn't kill him. You didn't kill him. I, I I did not pull the trigger. Well, then, and so it doesn't kill him. But does does he shoot Jaw then? Aksul shoots at Jaw, and despite the fact that they're like eight feet apart, <laughs> basically misses him. Eight feet? I thought it was more like eight inches. Uh, like he was yeah, close. it's super close. <laughs> and the laser beam or whatever from his gun grazes Jaw's face, and then just blasts into a rock behind him because uh-huh. he somehow missed him from that distance. Okay. He basically just points out to all the rest of the Rokar that are that are there. This line of thinking isn't going to solve anything. That look at all of the great things that Ryder has done. She saved the Moshais. You know, she's she's done all of these great things, and she's not the one trying to blow up the forge. Like, think about how crazy that is. This is a super important place, and you're gonna blow it up just to just because you hate some aliens. That's insane. And it convinces the rest of the Rokar that, oh, yeah, Axul's kind of a nutbag. (laughs) (laughs) We should probably just walk away. And so they all do. You know, they're up on like some cliff or whatever nearby. 
And so they all just turn around and walk away. Oh, and he's just left there alone. He's just left there. We just walk away and leave him there, which I think is kind of weird. Yeah. Like this dude is a like we're at war against this guy and we're just going to be like, all right, peace out, bro. And leave him with his weapon. Like, did he, has he lost his gun at this point? Because you got to be pretty confident if you're going to put, you're going to turn your <laughs> right. back on the guy. Cause if I were, I, if I would be expecting him to, to just, you know, he, he's feel, he would feel like he has nothing to lose at that point. Mm-hmm. He's already seen his, his group go away and, and abandon him. Do you think he's just going to be like, yeah, yeah, I guess this is over with. Yeah. Like, you guys are right. <laughs> going to go back to macrame. Fine. Um, I don't, I don't remember uh, if, if he still had his gun in his hand, I remember thinking that maybe this cutscene is going to end with him killing himself, mm. but he doesn't, he's still alive. Okay. And at, at the very end of this, you, you know, once you're back to the Tempest and talking to everybody, you get an email from Axul. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. Axul emails us an almost, an almost apology. Okay. He's and he says he he quotes an Angaran proverb and says, "To hate blindly is as dangerous as to trust blindly." And he, so he says, he essentially says, "I still hate you, but I realize that what I did to Jal was wrong. So I'm gonna try and continue to work through that." Who emails this? Who emails this? Have you? But, okay, but you know Jaws emails, okay, in his subject lines and things. So, what was the subject line on this email? Like, quick message from your rival that you just tried to kill you. Uh, I I don't I don't remember it, so it couldn't have been as amusing as as Jaws subject lines. But seriously, who emails this sort of thing? Like, well, they don't, I, they I don't, don't see Osama to... bin Laden sending Barack Obama an email, being like, you know. <laughs> Maybe, like, I still hate you guys, but I'm going to try and work through it. So here's this this ancient proverb, you know, this ancient Saudi proverb. Like, no, come on. <laughs> well, uh, for me, it ended with, obviously, uh, he. I basically did what he asked for. I mm-hmm. killed him. I, mar- I martyred him. So I assume that the Rokar are going to be even stronger. Oh, than, so so the Rokar don't just like walk off sort of bummed. Uh like. no, but they also don't initiate a fight, so we just sort of leave and and so we just we just bring the rest of Jaws family back. So it it basically ends with the, the family's back. Hey, Ryder, thanks. He asks, you know, I just I got to know why didn't you trust me? And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. But one of the responses was just it, the response was I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, my, my, my actual response was something like he pulled a gun on you. I panicked. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what happened. Yeah. You panicked. I panicked. You so. weren't even in love with him and you panicked. <laughs> As you might imagine, I had some more romance options out of this because I did trust y'all, which was the right decision, by the way. Mm-hmm. So when we got back on the ship and we were talking, I was able to say that he had me worried. Oh, and they like hug and like hold each other's heads, like, you know, arm wrapped around him, like holding each other's heads close together sort of thing. And then once we get back on the ship and we're talking, uh, you know, because he, he did, Joel did get shot. So he's got this sweet scar now. Well, he's got a scar. And so we get back to the ship and Joel asks, is, is this scar going to make me look more appealing? <laughs> <laughs> and my character says that it looks even more badass and then uses it to point out that she says, look at all the, the dates that Drac gets. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's still it on, on the romance front. That's all that, that's yeah, all the updates. I, I still haven't had any, you're running out of time, any, man. any really, really intimate opportunities the way that you did with, with PB, but we're almost, we're almost done with this. We are, but in previous Mass Effect games, that's when the romance actually hit is sort of the end. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. They, they gotta get, they gotta get a move on here. <laughs> All right. So what do you want to do next time then? Well, so we know that we have one more because we've looked at some guides. We have one more priority ops mission. We've still got some more loyalty missions that we could do. One mission that we're both really, really interested to complete 
and haven't been able to yet because you have to go all over the place and it takes so long to do everything that's required for it is Liam's movie night. Yeah. We can't finish this game without having movie night. You want to do the, you want to do the movie night? We have edition? to do movie night. Okay, well let's let's do I think that'd be a great way to 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 finish off before going to the last mission. That makes sense. So we'll do the we'll do the movie night side quest before going to the final priority ops mm-hmm. mission. We'll play through to the end, you know, do the whatever the ending is and let's just call it. Yep. And so if that's the case, then our next episode will be the last. Right. Hopefully movie night leads to some romance with Joel. Ooh, that could be your opportunity. It better be. Some popcorn, dark room. There's a whole bunch of other people, though. <laughs> Not really sure how that's going to work. I guess it depends on what the movie is. Eey. Still, a whole bunch of other people. Let's not get too weird here. All right, so as usual, we want to hear your feedback. If you want to send that to us, we're on Twitter. You can send a tweet to both of us by just using at VGStoryPlayers. Or if you want to talk to us individually and follow us, I'm at Josh Pollard and Joe is at what color Joe. You can also shoot us some email. That address is storyplayers at the digitalmediazone.com. And then also, we would really, really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. If you're listening on your iPhone, then please leave us a, a rating and a review over in Apple Podcast. Or if you're using something else and you want to leave us a rating or review there, we would really, really appreciate it. That's going to do it for the eighth episode of our Mass Effect Andromeda series. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Joe Destazio. And we'll be back for the ninth and final episode of our Mass Effect Andromeda series next week. Goodbye. Adios. Adios.